Hey everybody, we are Francis, Martin, and Robert, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters. This is episode 35. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. We're going to talk about pop culture again today, and we're inaugurating one of those occasional themes that will come back to us that we come up with, movies we always have to watch. I've been waiting a long time for this one, guys. This is we have, always have to watch. I mean, like we're flipping channels. Yep. And we come across the movie. It's like, oh, doesn't matter what else we were doing. That's exactly this right. Watch. This is Gotta beyond stop. just fav- five minutes into it or five minutes from the end. That's doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter. This is more than just favorite movies. Of course, these are favorite movies, but we have lots of favorite movies. But these rise above that to a certain level because we probably know them well. It's just, dang, this is good. We're gonna go with that. And we've got a few that we've picked out here. Uh, and they and they also generally I think this time around anyway might not be those movies that everybody knows about. Yeah, we might have heard of it. Sure, but it's, it's none of the ones little... we've picked this time are exception. They're not all that recent. Uh, Mine certainly aren't. Well, no, well, actually, the more recent, the most recent one we have is 1970. The one I'm going to start off with was 1970. Yeah. Everything else is prior to that. So a lot of folks may have never seen these movies. But you oh, no. really, really Mine should. Mine is a little newer than that. Mine is 1988. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's correct. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, but still, though, that's still a 30 year old movie. It's still a 30 year old <laughs> movie. That's correct. Uh, and there's well, a... I feel old now. I'm gonna have to go into retirement. Yeah, <laughs> moving to Florida, boys. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Can we have Can we have your car? <laughs> no. No. But yeah, we're gonna, you're gonna have a good fun with this, and I'm just gonna roll this one right out, just like I'm uh, rolling out a baseball here. Uh, my first movie, and this is one of our favorite movies. Throw out a baseball. That's correct. I'm gonna yeah. throw this one out here like a hand grenade. Just you sport. roll the bowling Yay, ball. Yay sports! Yay right. sports! <laughs> Sorry. Roll the bowling ball. Throw, throw the baseball. The baseball. Yes. Fine. All right. But my favorite movie <laughs> that I am going to talk about here that I always have to watch, and I know this one is hits you guys too because we talk about it all the time. 1970. Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas, Donald Sutherland. Kelly's Heroes. Awesome movie. Awesome movie. It is one of the greatest. It's an amazing movie. It is one of the... It's it's a war movie that gets turned on its head. Mm -hmm. This is still at a time when war movies were in the ascendancy. Uh, Really? It's uh, starting to be shaped by the experience of Vietnam. Correct. Yeah. It wouldn't be very many years after this. Patton is one of the last ones where all of a sudden war movies after that go away. But we're still there. We haven't quite left yet. Uh, okay. the, the glory days of World War II in the movies is still very much in people's yeah, minds. Yeah, I mean, it's three years after The Dirty Dozen. Exactly. So. There's there's a lot of those type movies out there. So it was always... It was a, the last good war for movies. Yeah. Well, until they started getting artistic about the Vietnam War and others. But you yeah, know, you know what I mean. Well, but this is a very straightforward film. It's a comedy, sort of. It's, uh, it's an action adventure, sort of. Uh, it's a drama, yeah, not so much. It's a heist movie. It's a heist movie. It's a heist movie, yeah. <laughs> this is long before, uh, I think, the original version of Ocean's Eleven had been done. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, yes, yeah, but, definitely. But, but this, that's exactly what this is. This is a heist movie put into a war movie. But it, one of the it's things... Farce. It's farce. It's got, it's got those moments yeah, in it. It's it, got yeah. some great comedic talent in it. Clint Eastwood's presence at this point made it more of a serious war picture. I think that's how they sold it. Yeah. That Clint Eastwood wants to do this. And he's, in 1970, he's a big enough name. He's done a few westerns. Uh, the Man With No Name and all that stuff's already behind him. 
Josie Wales is in the future, but he's a bankable star at this point. Yeah, and there's a lot of other bankable stars in this movie. That's correct. Telly Savalas, uh, he's he's extremely well known. This is pre Kojak. Yes. But just pre-Kojak. He'd done Honor Majesty's Secret Service. He'd done several other movies. In fact, Don Rickles. Don Rickles, who was uh, an unbelievably... He plays it straight. But you can't... No. Don Rickles, even when he plays it straight, is still funny. It's funny. Yeah, yeah he's it's just, a funny guy. He, he just does that. It's the way he is. He's a fantastic <laughs> guy. And uh, uh, although my favorite character, and I suspect it's probably your all's favorite character, is Oddball. Oh, yes. Donald, Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Donald yes. Sutherland is amazing in this movie. <laughs> that's, that's your other dog impersonation. That's right. That's right. Uh, fantastic. It, it really made that, that goofiness yeah. that come out that it wasn't just the same war movie you'd seen 16 million right. times over the past 20 years. Because the story. It's a buddy it, film. It's a buddy yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Those yeah. are it's great just, films. It hits all the genres. Yeah. So, do you want to hit a little bit more on the story? Well, I mean, it's, it's really pretty simple uh, that they discover that there's a uh, there's a, a two hundred and some odd million dollars worth of gold in a bank behind enemy lines, and as Don Rickles would say, it's the perfect heist, the perfect crime, where they discover we can because our uh, commanding officer is an idiot, and we're on the front lines. We're just going to kind of skip a bit, go back, and <laughs> rob the bank. Keep going. Keep, yeah. keep going. They go, what is it, some 30 miles into German-held territory. Exactly. And, of course, when the general, Carol O'Connor, finds out about it, Malin, give me my uniform, they follow in. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's then so... Then it's a race good. to get to this town. That's right. It, it's, it's a snapshot, of, too, of the hardship of the common soldier at the hands of officers who might not really know the job very well you're very kind yes. <laughs> yes. the officers here are the idiots yeah. and only and uh Kel- and, and, and it's important to, Kelly is an ex-officer that is correct he's one of the and the reason he couldn't hack it there is because he's too honest uh capable whatever yeah he and Telly well, he Savalas, wouldn't take any crap that's correct yeah he and Telly Savalas come across as the guys that have it together yeah uh, and Telly Savalas plays Big Joe he's he's just in he's the in CO. He's the sergeant. He's the one that... He's uh, the career guy. Exactly. And he's very, very good at it. Uh, well, he's the guy that's responsible for keeping all of them alive. That's correct. And that's why he didn't want to go. That's right. It's like, but Kelly, he, you've, you've, you've sold these guys on something, and you're going you're gonna to send them into a, the chopping block. That's right. And, and not all of them come back, but most do. Uh, there's very few that actually, yeah. that actually... They don't show a lot of that. They show some. And that's the beauty of this movie is because... All the main it, characters live, though. They do. That is correct. Uh, and it it's just it's a fun movie. It really is. There there is so much to love about this movie. I, I'm if you hadn't picked this, this would have been if not this one in a later yeah. version of this. We always have to. I mean, that, it truly is one you you got to stop and watch. But it's it's oddballs coming on the screen here in a minute. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's goofy and yet it's fun. Uh, Hank Williams Jr. Uh, they play a song of his while they're shooting down Germans. Uh, coming out of a tunnel and you're thinking how long is this going to go on but it works it absolutely works and uh, it's just it's just so fun uh, I think the best line in the whole darn thing is the fact about the, the negative waves yeah always the we, negative waves always the negative waves Moriarty I had nothing but good thoughts about that bridge <laughs> well we've done a couple of other I mean we we do the have a little faith, baby. Absolutely, have a little, have a little faith. faith. Yeah, it's a little '60s, but it still it still works. works. Yeah, it, it still works. works. Donald Sutherland, he's a young guy at the time. Yeah, I, I, all these guys were young. Well, that's that's I mean, true. Even Tony Savalas was young yes, for the, was. You know, what we think of today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is Donald Sutherland even before 
Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It is, that's right. Before Animal House. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Dean Stanton is young in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton was never young. Ah, was, good point. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's he's good in it. And um, oh, what is the name of the other fellow that's in it? That's so funny. The one that plays Cowboy. Oh yes, he's been in a handful of other things. He's good character really guy, yeah. yeah. Yes, character exactly. Uh, Carol O'Connor was phenomenal in this. The General Colt, yeah, yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah, he was. Uh, this was this was pre All in the Family. Oh, by a huge but, stretch. Yeah, exactly. So he was he, he great was, comedic chops in this. That's great. Shows that he he does really good. It's just that good. It's it's one of those movies. If you get it, you you, you know. Grab, yeah. a, grab a pizza Anybody and stay born for the before day. 1990s going, who the hell are all these people they're talking about? <laughs> it, it's worth looking up. It's, it's it a, really it's a fun, it's fun, fun movie. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it gets the plot right. It's believable. Uh, it's well most made. Yeah, most of the way. Uh, it, you can suspend. You don't have to worry about suspending a lot of disbelief. It uh, most of it all because the story is so well written. Ultimately, yes. that's where it. That's where these things stand or fall. Every one of these movies we're talking about, it's the story that makes them. Yeah. Yeah, they're so fun. Right. What do you got, Martin? Well, my uh, my first one is in a very similar vein, but uh, it's a little older, a little different comedic sensibility. Um, you know, I like Navy movies. Oh, yeah. And this is one of my favorites. It's Operation Petticoat. It's a story of um, a World War II submarine at the very basic, basically at the very moment war is declared, <laughs> um, it is sunk at the dock <laughs> in the Philippines, and the commanding officer has to raise it and get it out of port as quickly as he can. And a lot of his crew has already been reassigned, so he takes on an officer who is not really. You know, officer material. Officer, somebody that's really out there in the, in, at sea. Yeah. He's an uh, an admiral's aide, mostly because he's a good dancer, and he wins <laughs> he wins the rumba championship with the admiral's wife. But he's also a scrounger. He actually grew up this kind of modest background, and so it's got all these great parts about scavenging. They have to scavenge paint after they raise the submarine, and they don't have enough of the white primer or the red primer to coat the whole submarine so they have to mix them and paint, paint the that. submarine pink. <laughs> so that might be what you remember. If you've ever heard of the movie that's got a pink submarine, this is it. There's actually a TV show based on yes. this for a little while uh-huh. as well. Yes, the stars are uh, Cary Grant and Tony Curtis. And of course, the one of the stars of the TV show 20 years later in the 70s would be Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's his right. daughter, yeah. That's but right. it has it has a cast member in common with Kelly's heroes in Gavin McLeod. That's right. Very famous. Mor- Moriarty uh, in Kelly, Kelly's heroes. Kelly's and heroes. He ha- they do have nurses on this. So that's part of it. They're evacuating Yes, they the have nurses. to pick up nurses from uh, an island. Again, everything's in chaos. It's December 1941. You know, everything's in chaos. They have to take these nurses aboard. Uh, then they end up taking uh, these families aboard and women having babies on the submarine. And um, the upshot is Tokyo Rose puts out a broadcast about this pink submarine. The American authorities hear about this and decide, look, no American would paint a submarine pink. It must be some kind of trick. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the right. Japanese are trying to sneak something by us. Yeah. If you spot a, 
pink submarine sink it. Oops. And they end up, in order to get the uh, the American cruiser to stop uh, death charging them, they have to send up all of the nurses' underwear. So they, they have to gaff hook a bra out of the uh, ocean. And the, the officer on board the cruiser says, the Japanese have nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> they have to stop, you know, cease fire. And it's 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 kind of a quaint little 50s movie. Cary Very Grant, wholesome in its own way. Yeah, at, at Cary Grant's just hysterical. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those where it has some slapstick, but it also... Builds the humor through the dialogue, yeah, which I always love. You know, it's well written. Yes. Yeah, that kind of that Gilmore Girls type of quick banter, you know, back and forth. Um, That's a hallmark of Cary Grant. Yeah, it I mean, is. That is his specialty. Yeah, um, you know, and again, there's a scene: Tony Curtis and and Gavin McLeod, Seaman Hunkle. Uh, they they go off up in the hills, and they're not supposed to be, of course, looting anything in the Philippines, but they steal a farmer's pig Uh-oh. and they put his coat over it and it's dark and they get stopped by MPs and they manage to sell that the, the pig is a sailor that's on the the he's drunk off the stuff in the torpedoes and and they manage to get by the MPs and get down to the sub and have a big New Year's Eve uh, pig roast with the nurses um, so it's, it's great stuff. I love Operation Pentagon. I always stop and watch. I have, of course, I have it on disc and yeah, yeah, everything. But I still watch and it's just like, this is such a fun, cute. I mean, that's not the right word, but it, it, it just nobody makes a movie like that right. anymore. It's fun. It's funny. It's a good story. It's not dirty. Right. It's not offensive anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there may be some remnants of you know some stereotypical portrayal of men and women but it would have been true to the time yeah well they have to explain to the nurses how to use the head right. which is a little you know awkward and the nurse that becomes enamored with uh, carrie grant is what's the, what's the term we should be using here she huge tracts of land uh busty Busty, yes, buxom, I believe. Buxom, buxom. Yes. Well endowed nurse, uh, nurse Crandall. So that that kind of feeds into the comedy. Uh, yes, because they're always having to pass each other in the narrow hall. In the narrow, yeah, the narrow yeah, passages. passages. Yeah, and he, he tells uh, Cary Grant tells the exec, give uh, Nurse Crandall plenty of space. Yes, <laughs> I pass it on to the crew. You know, you know Nurse Crandall. Well, give her plenty of room. Such as it is. So, Robert, uh, yours. Let's have your first one. So, my first one, and this is probably my second favorite Cary Grant film. I've got it DVR'd whenever it comes on. Yes, sir. And I've got it on disc, and I got my son to watch it with me. It took me forever to get the boy to watch Black and White. So I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> at a certain age, they won't touch it. Because yeah. to him, that was just old-fashioned. You know, there's nothing Can't be anything good there. It's old. Yep. So, first one is His Girl Friday. It's oh, Cary yes. Grant. He's a newspaper editor. Cary Grant. She's his ex-wife, and she's come to tell him that she's getting remarried to Bruce Baldwin. Uh, and they're going to go off to Buffalo, and she's going to become a housewife, and he sells insurance. And it is just some of the best comedy Mm-hmm. I mean, this is screwball farce kind of comedy, mm-hmm. not slapstick physical comedy yeah. like you think of with Lucille Ball or the Marx Brothers, right? Right. 
but it's from that era. It's black and white, and it is just... There was one scene where they're in his office when she first comes to see him, and there's just a lot of back and forth. And this one take, it's like four or five minutes. That's unheard of in movies. Yeah. And it's them back and forth, just shotgun line after shotgun line, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and Rosalind Russell plays his, his ex-wife. Yeah. And it is just phenomenal. Uh, to me, it's just some of the best comedy. It, it is so well written. It, it, you know, like Operation Petticoat, it's just fun. Yeah. And whenever I see it, I, I stop and watch it because there's just so many great bits in this. And Rosalind Russell, you know, she's not known for her comedic chops, but she's phenomenal in this, mm-hmm. especially pl- against Cary Grant. She holds her own. Grant's because you know, he plays ever. this cynical yeah. uh, newspaper editor who would sell his own mother to get a scoop. <laughs> and he plays that really well, and he's you know half mobster because he's got this this uh, really shady guy working for him uh, that that sabotages her trying to get out of town because she's trying to get out of town, and he talks her into doing this story, and he just puts this obstacle after obstacle in her way because he knows she's as he puts it, he's a new she's a newspaper man, she can't leave that to be a housewife in Buffalo, and of course she ends up not uh, doing yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And, you know, they end up getting back together. But <clears throat> no spoiler. If you haven't seen it by now, too bad. It's you know, no spoilers. Um, but it's just it's just so it's, much fun. It's one of those really good, I don't know, again, the, the boy-girl comedy. Kind of not a rom-com, but I guess it sort of is. Of its, of of its, its day, day, it would probably yeah. be, yeah. It's kind of those... I like the uh, the Rock Hudson Doris Day ones, too. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Some of that same type of type of movie i would say um sort of although you know i find some of the ones in the black and white are a little more interesting in this way just like with this one she holds her own she is her own person yes doris day does not come off as she comes off as the uh too much the innocent ingenue without any real idea of self and that's probably being unfair to some of the movies that she did but the ones that come to mind the roles she's had in fact she did one with cary grant Mm -hmm. And she was very much that way because he was the sophisticated man who was trying to seduce her. Of course, he would have been much older than her at the time. But Rosalind Russell uh, is is just, she's very much her own person. She deals with him head on. Mm -mm. Now, he still gets the better of it because he's just that that character. He's Cary Grant. Because he's Cary Grant. That's right. Um, But, you know, in the sense that uh, that boy girl but you know in these movies like there's one uh, Philadelphia experiment or no uh, bringing up baby well Philadelphia experiment too I think has um, um, oh shoot uh, Catherine Hepper uh, she's definitely in bringing up baby mm-hmm. and she holds her own too you know he is flummoxed by her in many ways yeah. and some some of that same thing with Rosalind Russell on this it's a bit more equals mm-hmm. than that and that's you know, for that time, that's a little unheard of. Lots of good repartee. Oh my God, yes! And that's what makes it such a great movie. Yeah, it is such a great movie. I mean, such a great, great script. dialogue goes a long way. It does. Yeah, really engaged. I think this was originally a play too. Probably. And, and you know, when I think about the sets, yeah, very very because there's two main sets. Yeah. And it very easily could have been a play. Would have been a great play. That's probably why that one scene that's like four or five minutes is so good because you could do you had to have done that in a single take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, most movies today, scenes are like 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, before they move on to something else. 
and or certainly you know camera angle and setting right. you know things change so quickly so for something like that it's just you know it, it's a testament to the skill of those involved what are we drinking guys i don't even know uh i just finished up a little bit of devil's cut which we i think we uh that's what i've you know, uh, had the last time we, yeah. yeah that's what i was uh, what i grabbed and uh, i think i'm gonna you. move on to some basil hayden though oh always good always good yes we've uh uh, Why don't you get that bottle? Oh, grab, over that, there. grab that bottle here, sir. Uh, Mr. Howard, yes. the bottle stands near you. Uh, yes, the Basil Hayden, which of course is uh, has family ties. To, hey, correct. To yes, Francis. it's my uh, fifth great grandfather. Yes, I have to remember that because whenever I because every time I see it somewhere, yeah. I always play that up. Well, sure, you know, it's kind of cool. Now, me and thousands of other people, of course, but uh, well, that 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 doesn't matter. Well, I don't know those thousands of other people. Well, that's that's true. So uh, it's kind of nice to be able to know that, you know, this this dude... Now, this one will be neat, because I don't have any ice down here anymore. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've still got a little bit of the devil's cut, so I'm going to pop I'm gonna cork this bad boy right back and, and save it for a few <laughs> more minutes later. But uh, kind of as a palate cleanse, because yes. my next movie is very different than what we've done here. Uh, mine... And we just kind of came upon this by accident. We were just kind of discussing what we wanted to do before this, and the, the subject of it came up. We were talking about Michelangelo. The Agony and the Ecstasy. Oh, phenomenal movie. Yes, with uh, Charlton Heston, who we'll call Chuck, because that's how he liked to be called, was Chuck. That's right. And, uh, and Rex Harrison. It is an amazing testament and testimony to the greatness of Michelangelo, but it encapsulates it down into a consumable way because it's all about the Sistine Chapel. Yes. You don't really now. There's there's like a 12 minute prelude at the beginning of it that you that you can see uh, that talks about Michelangelo Michelangelo and his art, the sculptor who did not want to paint. Uh, that it was shown mm -hmm. in theaters. Uh, if you've got the DVD, you can see it. Ted Turner often shows this. He's got the rights to it on Turner Classic Movies. And he shows the full letterbox version, so you get those 12 minutes at the beginning. And it's amazing. Modern audiences wouldn't stand for that. No, no. They, they, not, they're not going to... It's a documentary. Not explosions. That's exactly right. Well, there's, there's really none in this movie. Uh, well, the, not until Pope Julius goes to war. That's true. There is, there is there, a little there, bit of that. There is some battle scenes. Well, in and that, which, of which were inserted in there because it is just, you know, people talking, mostly in painting. Yeah, it's the Pope yelling at Bonarotti, when will you make, make it, it end? end? That's that's the moment, you know, <laughs> which he says, you know, like 16 times to this movie. Uh, and it's it's a <clears throat> it's a battle of wills in many respect that is only pulled off because you've got Charlton Heston and Rex Harrison going at it with each other. Yes. I don't, uh, Rex Harrison was actually, they had somebody else in mind, I don't remember who it was, but he's the kind of the one they settled on. Uh, to go against Charlton Heston, who had always wanted to play the role. It was based on a book that was really popular at the time. Irving was, Stone. Irving Stone's book, that's exactly it. It was an adaptation. It's filmed mostly in Italy. Uh, a lot of Italian uh, stars on it. Adolfo Celli plays in it, who was, who was you know, Emilio Largo and Thunderball. Thunderball, my uh, favorite Bond movie. Absolutely. And uh, as well as Diane Cilento, who ironically was the first Mrs. Sean Connery. Ah. There's a couple Bond connections through there. Uh but it was amazing how they were able to, they actually filmed in the Sistine Chapel, partially, uh, to show this great work and how Michelangelo didn't want to do it. They, I mean, you don't even get to the Sistine Chapel until the second half. Right, that's the amazing thing. Yeah. Well, uh, he's, he's being directed 
and what to do. That's right. Which he bristles at as well. That's right. He, he just had, wants to do his art. Yeah, he wants to sculpt. And you know, you, you see him there talking about how he, for him, sculpting was these images were already contained in the marble. He mentions this, and he just cuts away the missing pieces. Uh, the screenwriter builds that in because Michelangelo is supposed to have said that, and it it's a transformation. And Charlton Heston pulls it off about I don't want to do this. I'm going to run away. He even runs away to Carrara, and they finally in the mountains of Carrara where he's hiding from the Pope. He has he has this vision in the clouds, and all of a sudden he sees what this chapel should look like. It was and he much has to then sell. That's right because Julius it's much greater because as he says. Uh, Julius, your idea, you know, your holy, your idea was poor, which <laughs> <laughs> goes over very well, you know. Uh, but it's when he, but he does, and because the other, he's in the midst of a battle when they're sitting there planning all this stuff, and he says, you know, he wants a ceiling. No, he plans a miracle, which he does. And he does right. most of it by himself. Right. He has assistance, obviously, but yeah. it is his work. And they even show how it almost kills him because he has he he goes blurry vision, blinded, falls, and is has to be nursed back to health for a while. And uh, by Diane Chilento. Uh not all bad. Not all bad. That's correct. She's pretty. She is. She's she's yes. She's an amazing lady, and uh, she's the one. That, and she comes across uh, Connacina de Medici. As her, like you talked about in in your in your movie, uh, like Rosalind Russell, she's her own person. Mm-hmm. She is one of the Medici's. She commands extreme authority and power here. She's able to send away the Pope's physicians because they want to bleed him. She right. says, "No, no, no, no. We don't do that. We follow the Moorish healers. Go on, bye, bye." And it, it's just one of those moments where Julius almost, you know, he. Almost dies. So does Michelangelo. And in the end, after all this, it's a long movie. Uh, modern audiences would have a hard time sitting through it. I think. Although they sat through Endgame. This is true. This is true. This is a. This is a very good. There, there's an intermission in this. If you see the long, the full version, mm-hmm. there's actually an intermission. Yeah, they don't like, do that sort of yeah, stuff exactly. Anymore. So those uh, like those uh, long epic movie, movies did. It was one of the later epic movies. This is yes. uh, 63, I believe it is. Uh, but wow! No, it's later. It's later than that. Yeah, it's isn't not it much later. Or, it's five or six years after he does like El Cid or something. Isn't it? Um, I didn't think it was quite that much. Uh, it's before he would have done. Um, it's after El Cid. It's before uh, Fall of the Roman Empire, which Chuck was supposed to do. Yeah. But when he found out Sophia Loren was in it, he says, "No, no, no! I've done this. I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. like her." So it, it's between those two. Imagine uh, that you're a big enough star that you can turn down starring in a movie with Sophia Loren. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, so it predates like sixty or fifty-five days of Peking. It does, yeah. It predates Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, oh, that was that yeah. was sixty-eight, yeah, uh, sixty-nine. So it's just that great. I and mean, when you wherever you pick it up at, the visuals that you bring because it really is a celebration of Michelangelo's art. Yes, and his person and what it took to do what they did, and that's why I have to always watch it all the way through to the end. Cool. Yes, it, cool. to me that's a phenomenal one because, as I said, Michelangelo is my all-time favorite. He is the one that really gets me. I learned Michelangelo from that movie. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I learned him as a person uh, because he was too big to get my arms around. He was just did so many things. But I feel like I know him now thanks to Charlton Heston. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, my second movie is another Cary Grant. And I think this may be my all-time favorite movie, period. Got a lot of nostalgia for me. It's 
arsenic and old lace. Oh, yes. This is probably the quintessential farce. Mm-hmm. Based on a play, wasn't it? Also based on a play. Yeah. A lot of movies from the 30s were plays yeah. that were filmed. Yeah. Um, just because plays were the movies of the day. And so it was a natural thing to take plays that were successful mm-hmm. and make films out of them. Or and even so, unsuccessful. I mean, or even unsuccessful. Casablanca yeah. was an unproduced play. Right. Everybody comes to Rick's. So in this movie, you've got Mortimer, and that's Cary Grant. And he comes home, and he finds out that his two maiden aunts have been murdering lonely old men and burying them in the basement. And so he's about to get married, and he, he then tries to push off his fiance because he's worried that insanity runs in the family. Right. Because then his older brother, uh, who is Boris Karloff, played by Boris Karloff, and they make a joke about him looking like Boris Par- Karloff, uh, but that was because of plastic surgery by a very bad plastic surgeon who's played by, um, uh, what's the little guy's name? Uh, oh, with the whiny voice. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, my gosh, he's been in so many. He was even in a, a Bugs Bunny character. Um, Peter Lorre? Yes, Peter Lorre. Oh, Thank Peter Lorre. Wow. Yes, yes. Well, that went right out of, you know, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, see? Yes, I, did. I didn't look that up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I just... Kind of went there. I knew you'd get it when I said Bugs Bunny. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Peter Lorre plays his sidekick. And just the internet. Oh, and then there's a guy who thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. That, so there's all kinds of insanity in the family. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the brother that looks like Boris Karloff, uh, Jonathan, he is criminally insane. You've got uh, the guy who plays who, who thinks he's t- uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he he's literally insane. Thinks he's somebody else, and he yells "Charge!" and goes running up the stairs and into his room and slams the door. And whenever they bury a body in the basement, he goes down to dig another lock in the canal. <laughs> and yes. so, this whole movie is just one far, funny farcical bit after another of Mortimer trying to deal with the fact that his aunt and his two aunts are homicidal crazies. And trying to get them shipped off to the loony bin. He finds out that he's adopted in the end, so he doesn't have to worry about the the, the insanity. And he mm-hmm. goes off and he marries his very pretty uh, bride. Uh, but to me, it's just, it is just so damn funny. I got my son to watch this one with me, too. He loved it. He actually laughed yeah. out loud. Sure, it's fantastic. So I, this was the movie that broke the, the log jam on him watching Black and White. Now, he's still not going to go out of his way to do it, but how often do you find black and white on television anymore anyways? But when I suggest watching one, he's far more willing to do it than he used to. If you've got Turner Classic Movies, you'll see quite a few. Turner Classic is my favorite channel. I think he would like um, the Thin Man movies. Oh, yes, yes. Those are some great ones. I could have put one of those down on my list of movies I always got to watch. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't haven't watched a ton of those, but I know William Powell's very good. William Powell and Myrna Loy... They weren't married, but they should have been. They, yeah, are they, just, phenomenal. they just do a great job together. Yeah, sometimes you get those mul- those pairings. That, movies in work. the 30s. You know, I picked two movies that are from the uh, late 30s, early 40s. I think both of these might be in the 40s. Um, but, you know, before the end of World War II, basically. Um, really before you get to the 50s. Uh, movies are just different. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little more wholesome for the most part. Right. You know, there's not all the swearing. There's not lots of sex. Uh, it's implied in a lot of cases. Oh yeah, some of it can be very risque. There was one movie I watched. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of it. Uh, the girl who was in it, I didn't know who she was at the time, and I can't remember who she was now. But relative unknown, uh, she's 
gorgeous, absolutely stunningly beautiful, and she got knocked up because she got drunk at a party. Wow. And it's about that the, is the soldier who was going off to war that married her to keep her from, you know, being uh, shamed out of town. And that was very risque for the yeah, time. Yeah, you don't... You didn't I mean, do they didn't show any of it, but, you know, it was kind of very hinted at at first, and it's like, you know, that she was pregnant, but she got knocked up. She didn't know who she had sex with. And yeah, that's... that's you know, that's very... But it was a funny movie. It's incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but these kind of movies, to me... They're just part. It's partly it's the nostalgia from watching them as a kid. No, yeah. I was not a kid when they first came out. No, but I watched them on the independent stations mm-hmm. in Michigan. Uh, so it'd be Channel Twenty and Channel Fifty. Some of the like uh, some of the ABC, NBC, CBS stations late at night would play some of sure. these movies or on yeah. weekends. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I watched a lot of these as a kid on mm-hmm. these. You know, like I watched the Bowery Boys. And oh, yeah. They, and before they were the Bowery Boys, the East End Kids. The Bowery Boys, my sister watched the uh, Bowery Boys. Abbott and Costello on Loved Sunday them. morning. Yeah, we have I've got two Abbott and Costello on my list. Practically every guy will tell you he watched the Three Stooges. Three Stooges. All through childhood. That's yep, right. Three Stooges. Women um, hate the Three The Blondie Stooges. movies. Yes. Oh, yes, I forgot about those. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Now, I don't remember watching any of those. But I, I got know. some of them. I'll have to show them to you. <laughs> I yeah. remember them being on. They used to do Channel 3 at the movies, uh, the afternoon movies, Channel 3 afternoon movies here uh, here locally in Louisville, and they would show. It's it's a two hours. They cut the heck out of them to get them in two hours. But those were a lot of those type of movies you'd show uh, where they're, you know, they're later 60s, early 60s stuff like that. They wouldn't do a lot of black and whites. Uh, that's where I saw uh, Horror of Dracula, uh, the Hammer movie, which absolutely scared the bejeebus out of my <laughs> little sister. She still talks about it. All I have to do is go up to her and say Horror of Dracula, and then she still freaks even 40 years later. So, you know, these movies to me, they're just so much fun because they're they're so pure, I yes, guess. Yes, there's an innocence to them. Yeah. You know, even when they're dealing with the, the girl who gets knocked up or trying to get this guy who who murdered somebody off of which is part of what's in his his gal friday his girl friday you know it's it's just fun stuff you know you don't Mm -hmm. have to take it seriously Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't delve on political issues because back then you couldn't do that there wasn't outright censorship because it was all done by by choice you know Mm -hmm. the studio self-censored right um so there wasn't a whole lot of controversial material and in a way for by today's audience standards, that's almost impossible to do. You can't be good unless you're controversial. Yeah, but they they proved that you can. Yeah, it's just to me, it's just it's just fun. You know, it's pure entertainment. I don't have to think about it. It's an escape, mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. You know, and I can watch it and really appreciate good acting. Comedy is yeah. hard. Yes, it is. Comedy yeah. is harder than drama. You picked one of the greats too. Cary Grant is just one of the absolute. You can watch him do anything. That's right. He was that good. Cary Grant is not only a great comedic actor, he's a great dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. He's better known probably for the comedies, yeah. but later in life he did far more, uh, well, maybe not far more, but he did more serious stuff he did the as he got older. Stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, North no, by Northwest. North by Northwest, absolutely. Um, what was the one where he's in um, uh, Paris? Uh, and the To Catch a Thief? No, no, no. It's earlier than that. Um, somebody is after... Uh, Oh my gosh, it's the one with uh, Hepburn? Not Catherine, um, uh, the other Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Breakfast Hepburn. at Tiffany's? It's no. No, no it's, early, no, it's uh, Mr. Is it Mr. Nobody. 
No, I can't remember, but yeah, he's... See here. It, anyways, it's in it, and it's got um, Lee Marvin in it. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's some really good stuff. And he's serious. And it's just, you know, as he gets older, he could do both. And when he was younger, he was much, he was known for the screwball comedies. Mm -hmm. But he's just phenomenal. I was a male war bride. Yes! Another funny one. Oh my gosh, that's great. Was was terrific in. So, if you don't know anything about Cary Grant, you need to go get He's a national treasure. Off of Netflix and watch Operation Petticoat. Watch, um... Arsenic and Old Lace. Watch, um, I Was a Male War Bride. They're hysterical. Mm-hmm. They are. So. They are. Uh, Bringing Up Baby, The Philadelphia Story. There's uh, Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House. Oh, yes. My gosh, there's so many of these. Oh, my God. Yeah. So many. So many. So that was my two. So my second one, final one, is a substantial departure from all of those. Yeah. Because it, it is one where... The comedy is a little more raw. It is a little more based in that rawness. And it's 1988's Midnight Run. Robert De Niro in a comedic role, really, mm-hmm. for the first time. And Charles Grodin. Oh, yeah. One of those guys. It's, it's a lot like a Cary Grant, where it, based on that repartee, that, that dialogue, that fast-talking, um, Grodin plays a fugitive. He's a mob accountant who stole money from a vicious Chicago mobster, played by Dennis Farina, who's also terrific. I always love Dennis Farina. Yeah. Um, and he uh, has skipped bail. And um, Robert De Niro plays the bounty hunter that goes after him. Mm. And it turns into a cross-country trek because he has to get him from New York to Los Angeles before... A certain deadline, or the bail bondsman loses his money. Right, and of course, Yafet Koto. That plays is the plot fed. of like a half a dozen movies from the eighties to the two thousands. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he plays a, a Fed, an FBI agent that's going in on all of this, and you know they've got surveillance on the bail bondsman, and you know it's really great, but it is. Different from all of these in that it doesn't shy away from being R-rated, right? So I probably can't really do the lines here, no. but they're they're very good. It's very funny. This this is the all of his life is kind of eating away at Robert De Niro, and Charles Grodin spends the entire trip basically poking a stick through the bars, <laughs> and it's just amazing because uh, he fakes not being able to fly, so they get stuck on the train, and then. The uh, the mobsters and the competing bounty hunter uh, <laughs> come after them, and they, they can't be on the train. So then the bus doesn't work out, and then they're stealing cars and, you know, hopping on the freight train, finally, in the end. Trains, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> so it's really a crazy great 80s movie. It's one of those movies that probably would be completely different now because you'd have a cell phone. Right. Would fix most of the things that they could. <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. There are so many things that in movies that we love that if they were filmed in today, it's like, well, the plot devices wouldn't make any sense. They wouldn't. You're just, well, why don't you just get out your phone? Get out your phone. Get, uh, yeah, some things uh, anachronize. Yeah. Why didn't you call AAA when the car broke down? Yeah. You know, you can't pay for the bus tickets. Well, just Apple pay for them. <laughs> Right. Ven, where, where's your Venmo app? Yeah, you know? yeah, no. absolutely. You know, uh, where's your debit card, for goodness sakes? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, you know, in that I just thought, thought of like a half dozen other movies I got to put on my list. <laughs> yeah. So I love. Yeah, I always love Midnight Run. It's one that won't be on regular cable channels much, but if you every once in a while it pops up on the Showtime or something, you know, if you have regular that or, cable channels are getting more and more open to language. Yes. Uh, so it's possible. WGN okay. left a lot of the language in Die Hard 2 last night. Yeah, they, oh, wow. they don't usually let the F-bomb drop. but They um, left everything else in. They leave, they leave know, everything else. Yeah. I have noticed that in non-premium cable a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, certainly if you watch stuff on Netflix and what have you, like series that are being produced nowadays, F-bomb's all over the place. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, that's subscription. That's correct. That's but, Honestly, that's where most of the good content is nowadays. Well, that's exactly on, right. On those subscription services. Amen. Amen. That's really good. So we're, we're five of the six of those comedies? Yeah. I think so. My, my Agony in the Ecstasy was the only one that was a drama in that That's one. right. <laughs> and there were comedic bits in it, but, you know, that's true of any drama. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting. Um, that we Five of the six were comedic. Now, not all of my list is comedic, although... I would say one, two, three. Actually, I would say most of my list is, come to think of it. Uh, with the exception of the historicals that are on my list, uh, and you add in the half dozen or so that I thought of while you were saying that, most of which were also comedic. <laughs> yeah. Mine are mostly comedic. Uh, even the ones that are not the 30s kind of stuff. Like anything black and white, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'll watch. Okay. Just because, yeah. it just to me, it's better. Most um, of mine are not. Most of mine are, are, are not comedic. It's rare. You for love epics, though. I do. You, I love you that. You love and watch almost any epic film. Exactly. And anything historical, I'm probably going to give it a. To at me, least it's got to be really good. It's got to hit a, That's a, a really gut we, response for me mm-hmm. uh, when it's not a comedy. Um, but the, I find that interesting that five of the six are comedic. So we have a very good friend who'll be visiting us next week. Uh, well, yes, for us next week. And. He is one of those weird people that hates I Love Lucy. <gasps> Say it isn't so, sir. He has too much empathy for Lucy, and he feels bad for her. He cannot grasp that kind of comedy. She has too much splinting to do. Hmm. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> So, well, yeah, but most of Lucy's things are of her own making. It doesn't matter. Not that's, like she's being put upon by the universe or anything. I right. get that. So he and I have never agreed because I like comedies. I like I can watch a comedy all day long. I mean, to me, that's because that's my escape. Mm-hmm. So when you think about what we talk about, this is so typical of us in many ways, but so unlike what we talk about. Because mm-hmm. you know, we talk about those. Uh, pointless discussions of eternal questions, right? We're heavy on the pointless part this episode. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, now in entertainment, comedy, drama, that is eternal. It, it is. So, it is. You know, it's right. still topical. Uh, and when you look at the age of some of these movies, that's pretty eternal by today's standards. Yeah, because these things have stood the test of time. They have. Um, but I just find it interesting because I, I think that people, and I'm not saying he is not an intellectual. I'm not saying that at all. So if he's listen, if he ever listens to this episode, that's not what I'm saying. No, not at all. He is, yeah. But I think when I think people, certain people, often will gravitate towards things that are so unlike the seriousness of their thoughts as their escape. That's very true. That's why I think guys like us, we're also drawn to the nerdy stuff. You know, that's mm-hmm. our escapist. Yeah, you know, we're very grounded in reality. We're very gra- grounded in, in the meaning of life stuff. Right, exactly. Therefore, our escapist tends to be either fantasy or farce, mm-hmm. just to keep the alliteration going there. 
Um, you know, because we, we like the, the science fiction. We like the, mm-hmm. the sword and sorcery stuff. We also like the, the Cary Grant stuff, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I just, found that to be another common thread through these films, too, is these some of these have some really <coughs> great actors who had huge career decades of, oh, yeah. of career. Every one of the folks that, the stars that in these movies we, we've mentioned are forces unto themselves. I mean, yep. Robert De Niro, Cary Grant, Charlton Heston. I mean, for goodness sakes. Rex uh, Harrison. Rex Harrison? Rex, Her- Rex Harrison especially. Oh, I mean, yeah. Talking about uh, a great actor. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. I mean, lots of really Donald good. Sutherland. Donald Sutherland's still making movies. I mean, yeah. this is, his career is what, going on almost 60 years. Yep. Still so, doing them. Yeah. And, and so is... I still find it fascinating, though, that 50% of our movies had Cary Grant in them. <laughs> It just kind of happened that way. It did. Yeah, you were the only holdout. But that's all right. You so, picked some really good... You had, you had the Chuck movie, though. That's correct. So, yeah, that, yeah. That's, the we, Chuck movie. Yeah. yeah, most Charlton Heston movies are kind of make our list. We don't usually pass him by. He's that good. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was great. That was a great that's set of movies. Stuff. Watch every one of those if you've never seen them. Oh, my gosh. you got to see them. Francis, what's on tap for our next episode, you brother. You guys know we've got a hoopa jube coming up? Again? Again, yes. We've got this hoopa jube. Love hoopa jubes. Hoopa jubes are, are, are those odd, weird, you never know where we're going to go with them. Uh, they kind of fall outside the norm. Uh, they only You only never know where we're going with them because they don't necessarily fit into an existing week's topic. Because I don't think you know where we're going with any of this stuff. Well, anymore. yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. But we're doing the one we should have done at the very beginning. We're talking bourbon exclusively next time. Ah, yeah, excellent. We're actually gonna we're gonna talk about we, we bourbon is featured in every episode that we do in some fashion. We've never done one on bourbon. Not to say it's the only one we'll ever do on bourbon, mind you. But we're gonna do yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're gonna hit being. Uh, I, I foresee that we'll be talking bourbon snobbery. I think at some point we're working our way towards that. Yes, yes we are. It's going to be. We a, have like a definition of bourbon. We. Uh, we stick with. We hew to that line. That's yes. correct. Yes. Anybody right. who has a different definition. Legal though it may be, you're wrong. Is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.